Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Who's going to war? People of God with the people of God. All of this, God's people getting ready to go at it. And I just want you to know that however that comes about, whenever that happens, God's not pleased. This isn't really what God wants. You know, when God wanted to punish his kids, he brought pagan nations to punish them. God doesn't want his kids at war. I just would throw this out there. If you're as a believer, if you find yourself at war all the time with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, just stop it. What does it mean to be a good person? Is it good deeds every once in a while that make us feel better about ourselves? Or is it following a higher calling? Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that God has a purpose and a plan already set in motion for your life. Instead of doing so-called good deeds to make you feel like you're balancing out the bad things in your life, let God take control. He has a plan for you and you've always been in His plans. Lose the burdens that are dragging you down and follow Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 20 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The death penalty would rid, would rid Israel of a certain, there are certain sins that God said, I don't want this to permeate my people. And so the death penalty. And so if you do that, you die. What that does is twofold. One, you die. You won't be doing it anymore. The second thing it does is everybody that saw you die says, wow, wow, if I felt tempted to do that, I'm going to find something else to do with myself. Because that, that, that's not, I'm not okay with, I don't want that to happen to me. And it, it, it cleanses a culture. I, I was able a few years back to go to a part of Jamaica where there's tribes in Jamaica that won their own independence during a war with Britain. And so they're not under Jamaican law. They have their own, uh, it's called the Mar- Maroons. They, have, they, they govern themselves. And I went on a, you know, I had a guy drove me and my dad, and my brother, we did a tour in there. It's a five hour drive through the bush. And I mean, when I say through the bush, you're in, once you get up in there, you're like, man, if they don't let us out, you ain't getting out. You know, like it's one way in and one way out. And we were in there and we're going down these roads and you're looking at all these brothers everywhere. It looks pretty hood. And I'm seeing kids walking. I'm seeing little girls walking. It's getting dark. And I remember I asked the guy, I said, is it safe for like the girls and the ladies here? They said, oh, yeah. They said, you, no, no one touches our women. They said, nobody here will touch a woman. They said, if you touched a girl, you would never leave here. That you would, that, they said, that's a fact that if a man here touched one of these children or one of these, that you don't leave. You won't go home. You will die here. And, and, and they said that, that the community will come out. You will die. You will pay with your life today. Not tomorrow, not in the week. And he said, so, so because of that, as you see the little girls running all free, I'm like, so they're free. They're free to be little girls. They're not afraid of men grabbing them because that culture, those men say, we're not having that over here. That's somebody's daughter and they're not going to have it. And I look at that and I think as civilized as we are, these people are living in the bush. Um, I, I went to eat, right? They had, they had what we use for a, anybody got a screen door on your house? The screen door was the grill that they were cooking chicken on. We all civilized, but their kids are safer than ours, right? So some people look at what God's word said, they have all kind of hard time. I don't know how God, God of love killed people. There's some things that I feel like today, if there were death penalty for it, we wouldn't have it. But we have so much of it because there is no consequence. You can do it three, four, five, ten times and, and, and then go to jail and do it there too. So, you know, you know so, so anyway, God, God would have had them put to death for that crime and they're trying to see that happen but the Benjamites say 
they wouldn't turn them over. So the second part of verse 13, they said, send these men out that we might they might die for what they've done. In verse 13, the second part says, but the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brother and the children of Israel. Now, here's what's wrong with that. It's bad enough that the crime happened. But I'm going to tell you this. It is always an error to stand with those who oppose God. It's always going to be wrong. It'll always be wrong to stand with people that are opposing God, particularly if you're standing with them against those that are trying to stand for the Lord. That's Benjamin positions himself here with the perverse men. They're saying, we're not going to turn them over to you. We're going to protect them. Um, you can't come in here and just have them, even though that's what the word says should happen. We're going to protect them. You can't have them. So there's going to be a war that breaks out. But that's the basis of the war. The Israelites got together. They didn't pray. They said, hey, you know what? Let's go up there and, and we're going to tell the Benjamites to deliver those men over that they might die. The Benjamins, the Benjamites say, no, we ain't doing it. And so there's going to be war as a result. Now, I'm in no way suggesting, you know, that we, you know, as believers, New Testament saints, that we go out and kill people that are, y'all you know, understand this is a different era. Amen. I want to make sure I want my leaving Bible said, I said, well, I have one of those in my family. So let me get the blade sharpened up. You know, I'm in no way suggesting that we do that. In this era, under the Old Covenant, Old Testament, that was the requirement. They were, uh, the Israelites were to keep the areas that God gave them pure and holy. And one of the ways they did that was when particular sins were done, God said that should be dealt with by death so that that doesn't continue to happen. It doesn't permeate our culture. That's not New Testament. We're, we're not, that's not our, we don't govern it that way. I just want to put that out there in case anybody was felt like they heard it at Bible study. So you go ahead. I don't, I don't want to be responsible for that kind of error. So moving on, verse um, 14 now. It says, instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities in Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And I want you to know how sad this is, that instead of turning over these perverted men, they said, hey, guys, get, get, the, get the troops together. Now, Benjamin was one of the stronger troops. Uh, militarily, uh, they were known for their military might, and so they say, "Hey, get our get our troops together. We're not we're not giving these guys up." And I was pondering that, like, why would they hide it? Why would they not give them up? Why would they not surrender these guys over? And a couple things, because of the level of boldness that was there, it looks like it had permeated their culture. We live in a pretty perverse time right now, but I don't think anybody here has ever had a visitor. And have people beating on your door talking about sending them out here. It hasn't gotten that bad. So it had digressed. At this point, these people were doing the exact same thing that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for. So just consider that the, the people of God had fallen to the level of living of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people of God. A tribe of Benjamin. One of the tribes of Israel. That's how they were living. And so... Um, it's possible that they didn't want to deliver them over because um, maybe it had permeated their whole culture. Maybe all the people there that were in charge were like, well, no, that means I got sons and I got nephews and I got, you know, people that, I, that are in my family that are part of this. And so, no, rather than deliver them over, we're going to protect them. And I would just say to us that there could be things that I've known believers that try to lessen their stands on particular sins because it hit their home. Uh, because it's in my family, because it's here. And so, yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's okay. And so you need to know that if God says something is wrong, even if somebody with your last name 
is partaking of it is still wrong. Amen. And we have to hold up his standard, period. Uh, I can't change God's standard to accommodate my fallen family. Uh, God's standard is God's standard. Do we love everybody? Absolutely. Do we share the gospel with everybody? We had better be sharing the gospel. That's what God wants us to be doing. Um, but don't make wrong right and don't protect it. Don't don't keep it. You know, um, I have known um, where, I, where I worked before. I there's a situation there where one parent actually shielded from the child's dad who lived in the home that their kid was moving in that direction. Mom found out she knew she was like, well, this could be between us. And she allowed that to permeate that broke up their marriage. That young man now is in his 20s and he's fully out there giving over. And I look at that mom and think, you're going to be responsible to God for that. You should have told his dad. His dad sensed it. Um, his dad asked about it. They had conversations about it. He was made to feel like he was judging and wrong. And it's like now the, 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 the sad thing is that kid is the suffer. He's going to suffer. Right. He's going to suffer for that. And so, um, you know, I don't believe it's God's heart to hate or be mean. Uh, I think we all know churches where you can look at their attitudes towards certain sins and just think, man, that's not God's heart. Because God still loves the people. Um, God still cares for the people. And what do we do for them? We have to love them and share with them. We have to love them and share the gospel. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to give my own experience. The question that I get hit with often, there's a young man that walks back and forth up here. And the question is, you know, it, it comes down to this. Are you saying that I'm going to hell for what I'm doing? Is that what you're saying? That 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 seems for some people to be like, just don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that that's going to be the penalty. And. You know, the reality is, look, I, I tell people this, I take it back to the gospel. The reality is, if you don't give your life to Christ, if you don't believe in the gospel, right, no matter what, no matter what sin you may be partaking of, you might be partaking of alcoholism, you know, drug addict, heterosexual, sexual sin, homosexual. If you, if you don't receive the good news of the gospel, you will die and go to hell. If you receive the gospel, you will be forgiven for all your sins. God's spirit will come live inside you and begin a process to sanctify you and set you apart and you will be saved. That's it. So I don't need to necessarily deal with your particular outburst. You know, this is this is how your unbelief is manifesting your life. It manifests in my life in a different way. That's neither here nor there. What are you doing with Jesus? And I would just tell us that that's a great place to take people that they like to hone in on. You know, the church's belief or opinion about their particular thing. But our belief is not that that sin itself will send you to hell. We believe that you won't go to heaven for rejecting the gospel. Amen. Amen. And rejecting the gospel may manifest in one man's life and that he womanizing someone else's life that they love stuff. Someone else's life that they fall into some sexual perversion. Jesus would save them all. And I just think it's important for believers to keep that keep that line as we're ministering to lost people all around us. Amen. Moving on, it says, so Benjamin won't give the guys up. They start getting their people ready for war, verse 15. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, uh, who numbered 700 men. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. And I just want you to note that Benjamin had some bad, bad, bad dudes in terms of warfare. When it says that these dudes could sling a stone, that don't sound real, you know, threatening to us. You could sling a stone. Woo, you know, well, 
this is the era where remember that's how David killed Goliath. Slinging stones was that was that would be equivalent to us now. We we our projectile weapons are guns and we shoot them and cannons and whatnot. In that era, you had a dude that could sling a stone at a hair's breadth. That meant you know that meant that I could aim at the hair on your head and not miss from wherever I'm at. That's that's a bad dude. You know, I was pretty slick with a slingshot, but I ain't never been that good. I mean, this, they can sling this stone, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the actual slings. It's not like our slingshots were going to risk you sling it like this. It's actually a pouch, and there's a string that goes on your pinky, and it's leather straps, and you swing it. And I guess the guys that know how to do it, I bought one in Israel, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just <laughs> slinging stones all over the place, you know, but the guys that actually know what they're doing, they swing it and get the velocity going and they know when to let go, the finger lets go, and that thing takes off. And it's a powerful weapon in the hand of somebody who knows how to do it. Benjamin got guys that can do that and, it says, and not miss. That means every hit, boom, is, is a dome shot and it'll break your skull open. So um, they got some bad dudes and they're going to give Israel a run for their money in terms of uh, the rest of the tribes that are getting ready to come and go to war with them are going to have a run for their money. So uh, verse 17, now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. So Benjamin has, they, they have the better, uh, they, they're, they're better set up for this. But the Israelites, all the other tribes have more people. Benjamin has maybe the more skilled warriors that they're going to go to battle with. Here's what I want you to not miss either. Who's going to war? People of God with the people of God. All of this, God's people getting ready to go at it. And I just want you to know that however that comes about, whenever that happens, God's not pleased. This isn't really what God wants. You know, when God wanted to punish his kids, he brought pagan nations to punish them. God doesn't want his kids at war. I just would throw this out there. If you're as a believer, if you find yourself at war all the time with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, just stop it. Just not be unwilling to go to war with your brothers. And sisters. They will. People will do you wrong. I'm a, as a pastor. I get done wrong by church people. But when that happens, you have to acknowledge what the Bible says, that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against what? principalities and power and rules of darkness and heavenly places and so forth and so on. So when it might be coming through a human being, I got to quickly let the human being off the hook and say, enemy's trying to stumble me through him or her or that situation. You need to forgive him. Let it go. Don't attack him. Pray. Keep it moving. Whatever God's got you doing. Be careful about getting uh, duped into going to war with believers. It's never a win. If I go to war with Andre, I'm saying that because me and him are at peace, you know, <laughs> but if I was to go to war with Andre, right, whoever wins loses. If me and him go at it, if I win, I beat him down. I got the, I beat that battle. I, I, I made him look bad, better than he made me look. We both lose. If he goes to war against me and he makes me look worse or whatever, the whatever the battles are, we both lose. There's no win. But if let's say we have a strife and we leave it alone till we get ourselves right with the Lord and we come back together, that's a win. That's a, from the kingdom perspective. Us coming back together is the win that the Lord is looking for. It might take a little time. Uh, what I tell people is, is the goal is always to win them back. So don't do anything to make it difficult when they get ready to come back. And you can say and do things and make it really difficult that when people finally come to themselves and get ready to come back, you made it more difficult. Leave the road clear. Leave them alone. Let it be. 
Know that one day, if things go right in their life, God will bring them back and you guys can heal. Make that road smooth and easy when they get ready to walk on it. Amen. Amen. And so moving on, um, the Benjamites prepare for their battle. Uh, Everybody's got their their people ready to go. The Israelites are ready to go get them. Verse 18, it says, then the children of Israel arose and they went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. So it looks good. They pray. Yay. But this prayer, they, this is what they've already concluded. We've already concluded that we're going. We've already concluded that we're going to go up in ranks and that we're not all going at the same time. But we're going to break down in the ranks. And so we've already decided that much without you, God. But now that we've decided that we're going to go to war against them, that we're going to go up a tribe at a time. Now we're coming to ask you take our plan. Which tribe should go up first, Lord? You know, that's what's wrong. And I, I, I want to point that out to us because it's going to look like God left them hanging because they're going to go up and get mollywhopped. And it's like, well, they prayed, though. Yeah, but you prayed the wrong prayer, the wrong way at the wrong time. They should have prayed when they first got together and said, Lord, what do you want us to do about this? They've already met. They said, let's take counsel of ourselves. They did that. The counsel that they came up with was that we're going to go to war against them. We're going to go up one tribe at a time. Now we're asking God, Lord, which one of us should go up first? Now, I got to point this out, too. Even though what they're doing now seems right, are they right with God? No. Israel is, as a whole is not right with the Lord. These guys aren't saying, God, we need to get right with you because look at what's happening around us. Right. They're saying, look at what they did. They need to die. And we're going to go and punish them without them getting right with God themselves. God's not going to honor this. And so um, we want to be careful when whenever sinners are governing other sinners, it could just be really messy. And that's what this is right here. You're looking at people that are not right with God themselves. They said, well, you did a more not right with God thing than worry. We're just not right with God regular. But you're not right with God in, in, a, in an exaggerated way. So you need to die for what you did. And, you know, that's 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 what people do. What will guard us from this? Because we're going to see lots of wrong happen around us. I am thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly convinced that the man or the woman that spends regular personal time with the Lord is a lot gentler in how they handle other people. You know what happens when you spend time with the Lord daily? Is you stay aware of how much work is yet to be done in your life. It just keep, it keeps you low in a good way. Keep you humble. When you find somebody really, really high on their horse, you know one thing. They haven't been with Jesus. They haven't been. You find somebody high up on the horse and, and they haven't spent enough time with the Lord. Anybody here go get next to Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more aware of the unfinished work in your life you will be. And it'll cause you to view other people and their failures differently. Not that you won't see it, not that you won't be dealing with it, but you'll see it different than you will if you feel like you all that. I'm good. I got mine. You know, I've been church, you know, whatever it is, it makes us feel like we got it. Um, be careful. Be careful about that kind of mindset. So, so they inquired of the Lord, which seemed good. But I just think that the way they did it was they should have asked God, Lord, what to do? What do you want us to do before we come up with a single plan? Uh, they should have been asking God what to do. And I would give that to you and I as counsel. You know, if you got things that you have to take care of, plans that are going to be made. Go to God first. Right before you come up with a plan, before you come up, Lord, this is what's happening. This is what I'm thinking. 
But I want to lay it out to you. What do you think? What do you say? I, w- I want you to be leading from the get. Direct my steps, Lord, and let the Lord direct you. Take advantage of the privilege of prayer that you have as a believer. Verse 19, it says, so the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against Gibeah, fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And so um, they go out to this first battle and the Israelites who are getting ready to go put judgment on the wicked, carnal, nasty, perverted Benjamites go out and 22,000 men die. They lose. And again, somebody would read that and say, but they prayed. How did they What happened? What, what happened? They prayed. Why did they lose? You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I just want you to remember the, that prayer was not, that prayer was, it wasn't what it needed to be. Verse 22. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. And I want you to know here again, they got 22,000 people died. I would think that'd be a great time to say, Lord, are we, are we missing something here? 22,000 dead. Lord, do you want us to go at all? You know, we want to revisit this whole thing. You know what they did? They encouraged themselves. They got together and had a pep talk. They got together and somebody said, guys, as much as stand up like men. Somebody gave a real good speech. They encouraged themselves. It doesn't even say like David that he encouraged himself in the Lord. It just says that they, they got together and they encouraged themselves at this point. I'm sorry, they encouraged themselves and again they formed the battle line as at first. Now verse 23. It says, Then the children of Israel went up again and they wept before the Lord until evening. So there's brokenness is beginning. And they asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go against him. So this time they said, It's almost like they're getting a hint. Like, should we go up again and battle against our brother Benjamin? Um, there's brokenness, they're crying, they're sorrowful. And I'm going to give you my thoughts up front. I believe God is disciplined in both groups, right? They're, they're not innocent. And even though they're going to war and, and it looks like they're praying, they're saying, God, go with us to defeat, to, to punish them. God is like, you guys are being punished as well. Everybody is guilty here. And so even though they're praying and God says, yeah, go ahead and go. You have to read that and say, because there are going to be some more deaths. First 22,000, then there's going to be 18,000, right? Then they'll finally get a win and we'll see what brings about the win. But they go up now and God says, yeah, go ahead and go. And God is telling them, go ahead, go ahead and go lose, right? Because he's punishing them at the same time. So look at verse 24. So the children of Israel went up, went, uh, children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel, all these drew the sword. So first time the Israelites lose 22,000, that's a big dip. And the second time they lose 18,000. Um, and all of these were men that drew the sword. These are 18,000, you know, swordsmen, warriors are killed in battle. And so the death count is, is um, it's, it's 22 and 18. What is that? 40, 40,000. <laughs> Making sure I got my math, all right? So 40,000 people are dead. Verse 28. Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up. 
and they came to the house of God and they wept and they sat there before the Lord and they fasted that day. Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer, and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to Him, not questioning His goodness or faithfulness, God's long-suffering. And He proves this time and time again in the book of Judges. Have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teachings with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the book of Judges, and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.